Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, football is back. It's better than ever. And all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. It's got a new updated site and interface. More odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football and maybe baseball as well, too. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive that bonus. Football, basketball, boxing, Major League Baseball playoffs, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. I am personally so excited. Listeners, if you've been listening to the pods, thank you so very much because I've been talking a lot of Chicago Bears lately. And you know what? I've had it up to here. I've had enough. So it's time to go to the south side because we got three regular season games left before the playoffs kick off and the White Sox head into October baseball for the second season in a row. So why not? Let's bring back our White Sox experts. They have a fantastic podcast right now that is just gaining popularity and great guests by the day. It is good, guys. Talk back with our hosts, Nick Morawski and Pat Hester. Let's say hi to Nick first. Hello, Nick. Joey, uh, thank you so much. It, yeah, you're right. This is a uh, this will be a White Sox podcast. You've gone through enough pain and suffering. We'll we'll celebrate. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be good tonight. Pat, my friend, good to see you again. I'm guessing our summer went well because we've been watching great baseball. How are you? It's been fantastic. It's been a beautiful uh, run so far. I don't want it to end. So let's keep it going. An expert. I hope my mother listens to this episode. This will be fantastic. I'm an expert, Nick. I grew up. <laughs> you got your doctorate hanging behind the wall right now <laughs> in all things that are not Ricky Renteria because this season is different, ladies and gentlemen. We're taping this on a Thursday. The White Sox, they have a day off before they start a three-game series against the Detroit Tigers. A team that, you know, is just came here to lose 90-plus games and cause a lot of trouble, and they've already lost 90-plus games. So hopefully they don't cause any more problems in the next three days. Gentlemen, before we get into the meat and potatoes, I would love to get your take for the listeners. You guys did a great episode on the 27th of September just talking about just reflecting on this season. Crazy season, and here we are with 90-plus victories looking at the playoffs right now. Nick, go first, man. Just your quick take on the regular season up to this point for the Chicago White Sox. Well, I, I think uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, locally, we all stood by the White Sox. We knew what, what was building with this team uh, since the rebuild. Uh, the, the improvements that have been made nationally, this team was still not getting a lot of respect at all of, of how they were going to finish, not only just record wise, but where they would finish uh, in the AL Central. So, uh, you know, it started off, uh, you know, a little ugly with Aloy, you know, being gone. Uh, you look back at some of those early lineups that featured Mercedes and Eaton, and you're like, that must have been a couple seasons ago. Because this season has been a roller coaster, injuries, lineups, guys stepping up, you know, all, uh, all surrounding the Tony LaRusa factor and, and how this guy was going to navigate, you know, the Tim Andersons, the Roberts, the Abreus, uh, Carlos Rodon out of nowhere you know, pitches the way he he's been pitching Lopez kind of rediscovers himself. So there's been uh, so much going on. 
And then, you know, the, the side piece is that the Sox haven't won the division since 2008 and they haven't had back-to-back playoff years in the entire history of the franchise. So you're riding that wave this year and, and you're, 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 you know, you're hitting the bumps and you're, you're trying to stay on there's emotions up and down and you're just kind of exhausted uh, by the time that they clinch. And it's such a beautiful thing uh, to be with this team, to be following this team as closely as, you know, Pat and I have, uh, but also to have that reference as a fan of when they did clinch the last time in 2008. And, and you've, you've seen all of this growth over the years. So there was just like this weight that kind of was lifted for me as a fan. And, and now, yes, turn the page. And now let's get back into the playoffs here. We're definitely going to talk about 2008 at the end of the pod because there's a very special anniversary that's going on that has a little something to do with that team. Pat, I want you to hop in, my friend. Just talk about the Chicago White Sox season from your perspective. And you brought up something in, in your guys' pod that I thought was great and something that Nick's definitely alluding to. This season has been chock full of storylines. Yeah, the stories that Nick and I have talked about, you know, we record twice a week and we've done it every week, you know, since the start of the season and we've we've talked about many times you know nick is you know nick does 99.9 percent of the work on this podcast i'm just uh, i'm just the eye candy uh for a podcast um give it up for the one percent yeah and uh and and really just thinking about all the things that we've talked about it's it was the first of all it started with tony la russa being named the manager and the roller coaster that that was locally and how people really were hoping he would fail and quite honestly Nick and I were not thrilled with the hire you know with with the the hiring itself and I've done a 180 on it I think Nick has too I don't think I don't think there's too many managers in the game that get the team to this point with the adversity that they've had now every team at the end of the year is going to say we overcame adversity we over they all do so this is a unique but it's just been an interesting ride in a way that he's done it and to be honest with you the way he's kind of grown back into being a manager. You know, you think about the time he was away from the game and, and the kind of the bumps and the hiccups he had early, early on, we haven't really mentioned, you know, the, the scratching of our heads about a Tony move in in a long time. And that's, that's what you want out of your manager. You don't want to be talking about or second guessing his moves. And I'd also say, I don't think we really even know what this team is capable of as of yet. I mean, we talk about, yeah, we've got this guy back, this that guy back. We just got Adam Angle back the other day. We haven't had a starting right fielder all year. Now we've had guys that we plugged in. Gavin Sheets has been a fantastic story. We've had other guys that have come up and stepped up. But Jake Berger for a little while was a productive member. The, the, the good wins of the world that have come in. And Leary Garcia, I've had to eat my eat crow on Leary Garcia, but he's been a very valuable player this year. And I, I've, I've dumped on him a lot and he's provided nothing but, you know, spark to this team and, and really uh, a lot of what you don't get. And it's a guy that can play seven different positions really on the field, maybe six, maybe not seven, but six, definitely. And uh, that's, that's kind of what, look, I, I, I don't know that we know yet what this team is capable of. That is what's so exciting as you transition into the playoffs. We, I, I, I think the best is still yet to come. I feel like if I can look back, April was the month of Tony's asleep at the wheel. He's asleep. He's asleep at the wheel. And then May and June, large parts of June was injuries, 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 mid part of June, maybe through the end of July, starting pitching, starting pitching. Look what we did. Acquisitions, Kimbrell, Cesar Hernandez. 
And then in August, that Field of Dreams game. And then we've been coasting with this 10-11 game lead all through September. And now here we are. Let's get it into the present. Let's talk about a guy that you guys both mentioned, Carlos Rodon, the guy who took the mound last night, pitched five shutout innings. Let's just hop in there because from a bird's eye view of this game, you look at it and you go, Rodon came back and was effective. Kopech pitched three innings, something that I think we're going to see probably in October. Gavin Sheets stays hot. Tim Anderson goes to op goes oppo for a home run. Nick, let's go to you first. You know, what stuck out from that game? Obviously, it's Rodon. What was your take with Rodon's performance yesterday? Uh, well, I was there. I, I was at the game last night. And, uh, you know, you were able to see some of this uh, watching it on TV. But the velocity was low. I mean, I think his first fastball was maybe 91 miles per hour. I don't think he topped higher than 93 and I saw a fastball run at 89. So that was your range, probably 89 to 93, um, which is not what uh, we're used to with Rodon earlier this year. I mean, when he threw against the Astros, he was hitting 97, 98. Um, but what he did last night that I loved was he was efficient. I, I don't I look at the walks. I don't really recall him giving a free pass. He threw 65 pitches through five innings. He mixed up his pitches effectively. You know, the slider was working. He got ahead in the count. You know, I, that it was, it wasn't the overpowering Rodon, but it was a very tidy, uh, efficient Rodon and he got the job done. Pat, uh, hop in on Rodon. I want to get your take on his performance last night. Additionally as well, it kind of feels like over the last maybe four or five days or so, I mean, some of the hitters like Luis Robert have stayed hot, but it looks like this team is kind of rounding into shape, and we saw elements of that in last night's win. Uh, speak on that and also talk about Rodon's performance. Yeah, with Rodon, I mean, I echo what Nick mentioned with the velocity, but yesterday was really one of the first times you actually saw Carlos pitch. You mm -hmm. know, he, he's been just overpowering guys with a high fastball. I've talked about it over and over, and people are probably tired of me hearing me talk about it, but... You know, the, the fastball that's up and out of the zone right now for him that looks like a strike that's, you know, not a hittable pitch at 97 miles an hour has really been his most effective pitch, in my opinion. You couple that with the, the you know, the back foot uh, slider that he has, and that's his arsenal. And yesterday, he had to change it up because, really, he didn't have the velocity. So he was kept keeping the ball down, which you have to when you're only throwing 93, 94. And he was able to nav navigate his way through the game. Now, I, I'll take it with a grain of salt because the Reds did not have Castellanos and, and Votto uh, in, in the lineup. I think they had a couple guys that were not, you know, regular everyday players that they didn't play. So they may have had the B squad out there. But regardless, he still pitched very effectively, like Nick talked about. He was very efficient. He didn't have the strikeout numbers that we've been used to. But again, it's because he's not wiping guys out. And he was pitching the contact. So it might have to be a different Carlos Rodon than we've seen throughout the entire year as we go uh, into the into the playoffs. In terms of the the offense, uh, you know, Gavin Sheets can really be an offensive weapon for us in the playoffs. Now, it may not be an everyday DH situation in the playoffs. It may be a matchup with righty righty lefty type of thing, but he's proven to me that he can swing the bat and he's got power and. You know, we've seen it before with guys where we get excited about a Daniel Polka for a, for a little while with some power. But uh, Gavin Sheets, I mean, who knows? Who knows? He, he could be the left-handed bat power that we've been pining for, that we've been looking for, for a long time. So that and, and oh, my God, 
can Yaz, uh, I mean, everything he hits right now, last night was a little bit of an off night for him in terms of he didn't really, uh, you know, have, uh, he had an off night for him. And I think he still drew a walk. I don't know if he got a hit or not last night. I think he was still got a base. Uh, but his outs are, are just hit, hits with authority. And it's amazing to watch him right now and how he's come back. It's, it's almost bonkers. If you look at the numbers, I'm not a big stat geek guy, uh, but I mean, the, the numbers he's put up since he's come back from injury are just insane. The fact that he's hitting 250 on the year after batting like 170 throughout most of the year. I mean, that's crazy town. So Adam Dunn is like, tell me your secrets. How, how did you, how did you do this? And, and, and Pat, man, I, I got your stats right here, man. 22 walks in 23 games since he's returned from the injured list, a slash line of 348, 492 on base percentage. 708 slugging um so all across the board and he's definitely going to come up when we start talking about these astros pat i want to follow up with you real quick mm -hmm. all of a sudden astros have lost five of six we're taping this pod right now while they are winning they're beating the rays right now so we'll sort of see what happens but there is a world where the white Sox could be hosting game one for this alds for you personally on the road, at home, does it matter to you? You know what I mean? Uh, October well, baseball can be a 50-50 game, but what's your take on that? Personally, for me, if they get home field advantage, I'm not going to a playoff game. I, I <laughs> It works out for me better if they actually lose. Um, but, uh, no, this, this team obviously has proven that they are a much better team uh, at home. I mean, the, the, the record bears out there game under on the road. They're like 59 and 20 something uh, at home. They just seem to feed on that home uh, that with that home crowd and, and, you know, the atmosphere that the guys talk about that's been there the last, you know, several weeks. And then last, uh, I think it was Nick, you were there the other night, I believe uh, when they were first in front of the crowd, you know, mm -hmm. after they were yeah. crowned AL central champs. So, I, I think they get jazzed about that. I think they, they get excited off the crowd and for whatever reason, they just, uh, they seem to shoot themselves in the foot more on the road. Like the, like the moments for whatever reason seem to be too big on the road and, and you, it, they, the, the errors and the, the mental mistakes compound each other. So it is very important. And I, that's why several weeks ago, I was thinking about how they would do this after they clinched, would they just kind of let it happen or were they, go pedal to the metal and try and get this, this, uh, home field advantage that they've to me shown with, with the reds laying down last night that they could have done the same and just given guys the day off, but they, they chose not to do that. And I applaud that. So I I'd love to see them try and get hold home field advantage. If it doesn't work out, um, I like our chances. Cause like Nick said before, the team that we have going down there is not the team that showed up several months ago, Nick, I, I'm blanking right now, but I think the A's, are, uh, the Astros finished their season against the A's in the last three games. I think their magic number is at two right now. So, you know, look, it's not uh, it's not the highest percentages in the world that the White Sox could be hosting game one. But just, you know, talk a little bit about them on the road, them at home in October. Does it phase you? Do you have the same concerns that Pat has or different concerns? I'm always concerned. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm always I'm always concerned about something with this team. And. You know, I, I think I would be, I think a lot of fans and I put myself in this category 
try to psych themselves into thinking, oh, we're going to be fine starting on the road. You know, this team's loaded. We're us against the world. And that's fine to psych yourself into that. You very well might have to psych yourself into that as a Sox team if you don't if you don't get that home field advantage. And they're going to they're going to match up well against Houston. But when you look at the home numbers of this Sox team and some of it, you just can't quantify. It's the TWTW. It is, I don't know, it could be the atmosphere. Let's all pat ourselves on the back that, you know, have been to games. Uh, It's the fans, you know, it's the aura. I I don't know what it is, but some pitcher numbers are better. You know, offensive numbers are better. The record is outstanding. And and someone on social media said something like, uh, well, Rodon's velocity is, uh, was a little low last night, but once that adrenaline kicks in, in the playoffs, it'll, it'll spike. And I'm like, ah, maybe. But if you are somebody that feeds into the adrenaline piece, which we know that there's usually a couple extra levels, well, then wouldn't that happen in front of the home crowd? You know, wouldn't you have more juice in your own in your own ballpark? And I'd like that to happen, you know, starting the playoffs on the south side of Chicago, the blackout. Let's kick it off here in Chicago, you know. It might not happen that way, but yes, I think there's a huge difference. And this is why every game matters. And this is me, you know, shaking my fist at that, you know, gray cloud in the sky, April and May, you know, you lose some games to Kansas city, or you blew a couple games here and there to maybe Cleveland or Detroit. That's nothing. It's April and May. It doesn't matter. Maybe, but here we are a couple games away, you know, at the end of the road here where having those games back would have been really nice at this point. And on top of that, to your point of why every game matters, you know, for some White Sox fans, I bet they're thinking, you know what, this is all sewn up. We're going to the playoffs. No big deal. See you a week from today, which is Thursday, and let's kick it off. But here's the deal is, A, home field is still in the balance in these next three games. Who do we have pitching the next three days? Lynn, Giolito, Cease. In my opinion, I kind of feel like these aren't these uh, JV warm-up starts of the past. Now I'm not saying we're going to go out and throw them out there for 100, 110 innings, but I think every single one of those pitchers has something to prove to get a little bit tighter, get a little bit more fine tuned heading into their next start into the playoffs. Nick, am I wrong on this or or should we be leaning back on them? Well, uh, you look at a guy like Lynn who uh, the last few starts, he's just been, there's been something, there's been something off with him physically. So I think this is uh, a start much like Rodon's last night where the pitching staff, the trainers, La Russa, they're going to be watching this guy. They want him, I think, to get to a certain pitch count. Uh, He might, as, as Pat has talked about in previous episodes, much like spring training, he might have a focus on I'm working on some locations. I'm working on some pitches. I've got a plan. Um, a guy like Cease who got hit, you know, in the tricep hard by a comebacker last time he pitched and was pulled. I just want to see, and he was having a hell of a game. Uh, I want to see how he can rebound, rebound this weekend. And Giolito is having one of the greatest second halves of any White Sox pitcher uh, at this point. So to, so to see him on Saturday and what he can bring, um, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll talk, I think, about who you would throw, you know, game one, game two, or maybe game three in the ALDS, because I have opinions. I know Pat does. I'm sure you do, do Joey. But uh, I, each one of these matchups, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Lynn, Giolito, Cease, there's something to look at for sure. There, there is a, a goal and a focus with these starts. 
Yeah, Pat, weigh in on this because, look, when October baseball starts, we wipe the slate clean. It's 0-0, yada, 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 cliche, cliche. But if we remember anything from last year, we came stumbling into that series against the mm-hmm. A's. I don't think we were playing our best baseball. So just uh, talk about it, Pat. Like, you know, how important are these three starts for Lynn, Giolito, and Cease? Is it a 50-70 to 70 pitch mix? Or are you saying, hey, 70-85 to 85, I think is a pretty good place for them to get fine-tuned, get some work in, but not overload them? I would look at, I would look at each of them individually, right? I, I'm looking at Lynn just because of the knee, like we talked about, I, I'd like to see him go about like a four inning, five inning game. You know, I don't know what the pitch count looks like, whatever that might be, but like four or five innings is about all I want to see from a Lance Lynn. I just want to see him get out there, you know, plant and push off to get all his, you know, feeling good from, for lack of a better term, waist from the waist down, feeling good from the waist down is what I want Lance Lynn to be feeling. <laughs> and the and, waist uh, middle is feeling just fine. Yes. So yeah, yeah. That's, he doesn't worry about that. that. That's all I care about. I, I'm not really concerned about uh, how the results look. I just want to get him through and get him feeling, you know, pretty good. Uh, you know, he's a fastball pitcher. He throws 90% of his pitches are a version of a fastball. Uh, I don't know, like I, I've thought maybe last couple of times he's been trying to work on some things. Um, maybe that's the case right now, trying to find something, you know, he's talked, I think several times about still continuing to look for something else to add to the arsenal. Maybe that's what he's been trying to do. I'm not sure. I'm just guessing, but again, just get through it, get, get through it healthy for Lynn Geo. You know, I don't know. I, I I've been so impressed with the way he's pitched lately. I, I really like how he's kind of bounced back the second half of the year. I think it's for him, you know, I don't think I have a restriction on him. I think if he works up a good lather, cause he's been known to do that and, and get out there and feel good about yourself, keep the ball in the ballpark. That's been his bugaboo all year is the, is the home run. So keep the ball down and keep the ball in the ballpark. That's what I'm looking for from him and from cease. My God. I mean, I, Joey, you could probably look this up for me real quick is I think he's top three in the AL and strikeouts this year. It's just amazing. He's proven to me that he's taken that next step uh, in, in terms of a regular season performance. You know, he's gone from, you know, he's got a really high ceiling, high potential guy. Now he's proving it. His swing and miss stuff is out of this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's time for him to, you know, show it against the better teams. And that's obviously what we're going to see in the playoffs. It seems to me, he will, he had a bad game, really bad game against Boston. If I remember correctly, he's had bad game against New York. He's had bad games against Houston. Those really good teams, those top tier teams are the teams that have got him because they will wait around on him to throw the ball out of the zone and they won't swing at that. They, they won't be fooled by it. So he's got to have his, his breaking stuff working in the strike zone for him to be successful. And that's what I'll be looking for. Let's hop into what we all pretty are pretty sure is going to be White Sox Astros in just about a week's time. And the reason why I was asking about those pitchers was we're going to talk about a lot of X factors, a lot of keys, a lot of things that we're going to want to see that the Sox have been successful at that they need to carry over to the postseason and some of the weaknesses that they maybe need to shore up a little bit. And for me personally, I just really think call it mojo, momentum, galvanizing performance, whatever you want to say. I think we need one of these dudes to throw seven innings. In one of these games, and this isn't even a knock on our bullpen, I just think that someone like a Lance Lynn getting out there and giving us seven hard innings I think can really go a long way, especially if you know we do give Dylan Cease that start in game three. And let's just say in the fourth or fifth inning, maybe he's got a shorter leash than maybe other pitchers do because he's a young guy, and we start looking at Keiko Lopez, Kopech, 
you know, so on and so forth. Nick, you teased it, so I'm going to start with you. Who is your Game 1 starter next Thursday? And also, additionally, let's just do it. Who's your Game 2 starter and who's your Game 3 starter? How would you line it up right now? I Man, this has changed quite a bit over the last uh, week or so. Um, and I, I don't even think Pat and I have truly uh, talked or refreshed, but I'm saying it right here. I'm going with Giolito as my game one starter. And that's wow. not, and that's not something that I was th- thinking at all. Uh, maybe, you know, a week or so ago, but with Rodon's injury, of course, and, you know, Astros saw tw- uh, cease twice uh, this year and they handled him pretty well. Uh, Lynn was handled pretty well. I'm not, uh, I'm sure he's learned from it. G- Giolito pitched well. Uh, well is in complete game against the Astros. I feel like there's a little bit of confidence there. He's starting to get his swagger back in the second half. And I feel like you got to ride the hot hand. Um, now I can Lynn and Giolito to me are slightly interchangeable. I, I am going to go Giolito game one, which means I'm going to go Lynn game two. Uh, and then game three, I'm torn again. I mean, do I go Rodan Kopech, which is what we saw yesterday, you know, Rodan for four innings, maybe Kopech for two, three, or we go cease. Um, Based on what I saw with Rodan's velocity, here's a guy that was throwing 70 or I'm sorry, 97, 98 against the Astros did pretty well against the Astros when he saw him uh, this season. They're going to get a 90, 91 guy that can mix it up. I, I feel like they might bash him around a little bit. I, I'm going to go with Cease as my, as my game three. And then uh, my my Kopech, Rodon, Rodon, Kopech hybrid. Rodon's a great game four. If I yeah, can, I, yeah. I, that, that's what I, I'm thinking for game four. Um, and then emergency with Cease, you've got Lopez there who has pitched really well lately. So that's a lot to take in. I think the biggest, the biggest one, and this is, this was news to Pat because I've kind of changed. Giolito is my game one now. I love it. I was, I was kind of leaning Lynn. I love that you're going Giolito. I do think that they can be interchangeable and they're a great one to punch. Pat, before we get to you, let's do a little Astros news just real quick. Obviously, as we know, Zach Greinke's on the injured list right now with the neck. He's throwing a bullpen session. It looks like that he's going to be bullpen only, and he's been very public about it, saying, whatever I can give to this team, I will give, but it needs to be a small amount, a measured amount. So he's clearly hurting right now. He's been pitching like garbage the last three weeks. So guess what? The guy on the mound tonight, Lance McCullers, I can pretty much bank on it, is going to be their game one. I'm guessing Frambar Valdez, game two, and then they could decide between Luis Garcia or Jose Aquiti uh, in game three. But Aquiti's, you know, he's only been back for five starts. He's had shoulder problems also. So they're a little they're a little bit thinner suddenly in their starting rotation than other people would like to think. That being said, Pat, who do you think is going to be starting game one versus probably McCullers? And who's your game two? Who's your game three? Well, I have to agree with my partner and go G-Lead on game one, just because of what I saw last year in Oakland, the, the intensity, what he's shown in the second <laughs> and half. If can, and if I can real quick, will he finally put to bed uh, the whole commercial of Lucas Giolito, worst <laughs> pitcher in the major <laughs> leagues? Oh, <laughs> can I put that to rest, Pat? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you can put that to rest at that point. I, I, I love Gio in the spot. I think he's the kind of guy that, that when the lights get bright, he, he kind of shines type of guy. I think he's got whatever that it factor is when, the, when he's on stage, I think he performs. So 
I like him there, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of throw a curveball here. And, and Nick doesn't know this. We're, we're kind of been secretive about our, our ideas lately. We're usually we're so, uh, so sympathetical, but this is a bear all pod. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you. So this, I'm going season game two. And wow. And, wow. And, 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 and yeah, go, please tell me, tell me more. I, I and I'm going with a three headed monster though. And I think this could be like the, like the shot in the arm secret weapon. Like I talked about the guy can throw, he's going to throw strikes and he's going to strike guys out, but I don't see him going more than four to five innings. So, you know, that managers, especially Tony is going to manage differently in the playoffs. I think you have a three headed monster with, with a cease, a Kopech, and then going to Tapera as he comes off the, the IL. That's the way, again, perfect world. Again, assuming that he can get through there with, without, you know, blowing the thing up. I'm also doing that, hoping that Gio performs really well and we win the first game. So I'm doing this in in thinking that we're just going down there to split anyway. And I save Lynn to bring home because I think Mm. if there's someone that I want at home and a blackout game, pitching a big game, country fastballs, it's Lance Lynn. He just, to me, he fits that, that moment. Okay. So I really like that. And then Rodan come in for game four and I like Rodan getting the extra rest as long as humanly possible. And if, if we're going to, if he's got one bullet left in the gun and it's, you know, five innings and he can only get up to 97, 98, a couple times, maybe we burn him out. But if we need him right there in, in a game four and say, man, we've given enough rest, just leave it all on the field because our, our season's on the line. Maybe that's how it goes. So I know that seems strange, uh, but that's I, I just that's the way I see it. I, I don't know. Uh, that probably is wrong, but uh, you know, makes for good. It makes for a good podcast when you disagree with people. It'd be really bad if I just said I just agree with Nick. <laughs> everything he says is fantastic. Well, in a theory, then you could actually probably bring back Cease in a bullpen game in a game five situation, which is also Perfect. young man. You could probably get him rolling. You can give him one or two innings. I think personally, what we should do game one is I think we should get Dane Dunning all warmed up. And then I think after like, you know, after two hitters, decoy, switch them out, switch them out real quick. And I think we just kind of roll from there. Nick, you wanted to hop in. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're going to go that route, then somehow <laughs> we got to get Nomar Mazara on a flyer just so he can be a statue <laughs> and hold a bat. Um, I, the only I like what where Pat was going with this. I, I like the 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 the, the three headed monster. Uh, my thing is, though, Cease is so damn good at home. Uh, that's why I would wait potentially for him. Um, he just, he, he, I don't know. I, again, I don't know why it is, but he just pitches so good. I, at home. But Lynn has got like a four and a half ERA in Houston. And that's I, I what, know. I know. Yeah. But I, there's no perfect scenario. I mean, we don't have, you know, unlimited ace starters. So you gotta, somebody has got to pitch somewhere, I suppose, but we're in a better spot than we were last year, though, as you, as you mentioned, Joey, at the beginning, in terms of pitching, you know, pitching has got us literally to where we are right now without pitching, we would have not weathered all of the injuries and the storms. We have a lot, we have so many more options right now. And, uh, and this, into this, and this would be completely different if Rodan was, if we felt he was hundred percent healthy, oh, sure. because if that's the case, then, then Rodan to me is pitching game two when he's throwing 97 miles an hour going seven innings. But given what we've got to work with, I think we've got to be a little creative. Let's look at X factors, gentlemen, Astros, white Sox. Now this could be an individual player. This could be a, a theme. This could be a trend. This could be a, par, a part of the team. You know, you could just say bullpen if you want to. 
But uh, let's get our X factors in. I want to start first, if that's cool. And I want to talk to you guys a little bit about we're going on this starting pitching right now. Let's talk about the Houston Astros starting pitching just real quick. Now, first off, in terms of the home road, I get it. White Sox are better at home. The Astros starting staff, almost to a man, actually has a higher ERA at home than they do on the road. Now, it's still pretty solid. It's about in the three and a half, so like pretty much across the board, but it is definitely higher. And a couple of them even has one over four. Now, my first X factor is going to be, I'm just going to call this grandal Moncada combo. And where I'm going with this is if you pull up some of these Astros starter stats over the last month or so, they're walking guys. The Houston Astros were 19th in baseball in walks per nine innings. That means they give up a lot of them. They're on the bottom half of that side of things. And if you look at McCullers, he's walked four batters over in more than four batters or more in three of his last seven starts. He's walked 19 guys in his last 35 innings. Louis Garcia, who maybe could be a guy of the bullpen, go game three, game four, walked 10 guys his last 21 innings. Framber Valdez, 48 walks his last 97 innings. You know, Urquidy has got great control, but that's the guy that's had shoulder problems. Even if he does come in or starts a game, I think they're still opening up to their bullpen. And if you go to their bullpen, too, they've had some walk issues, too, as well. Some of the guys that they've trusted, Christian Javier, 6.14 ERA in September. Their closer, Presley, 5.63. A lot of that happened against the Mariners. He got busted up like two starts in a row that really kind of threw that out of whack a little bit. I'm just seeing a team that Luis Roberts, white hot right now. Let's keep it that way. I think Aloy's kind of turned a corner the last couple of days. Seeing Tim Anderson go oppo, all these things are great. But Grandal and Moncada, Moncada, 385 on base in September, working walks, extending innings, rolling it over, getting guys on base. I think that's going to be a huge X factor, especially if we open in Houston with a starting staff that by the numbers looks pretty solid for Houston, but but they've been putting guys on base, giving a lot of free passes. Nick, uh, hop in with your first X factor or comment on that one. Yeah, uh, that, that is an interesting note on, on the walks because uh, at the top of our lineup, we really don't take a lot of walks. Tim right. Anderson doesn't see pitches. Uh, he swings at the first pitch that he can. Uh, Robert, who's been hitting in the two hole, he really doesn't take a lot of pitches. He's more disciplined at the plate, um, you know, but he's not taking a lot of pitches and walking. Uh, I, I, if your match, if you're looking at Sox Houston, and I go back to what I kind of said at the beginning, I feel like in this series, you have to think Aloy Robert is, is an X factor. They don't know what to do with them because they didn't have the experience to, to go back on. And Robert is all world right now. I mean, Couple that with your point on Grandal, who is also playing out of his mind and being disciplined about it with getting on base. There's a lot of problems right now for uh, a Houston pitching staff. There, there's nowhere to hide. I really like what the Sox have been doing lately with putting Robert in that two hole. Mancata's in the six hole. It seems to be pretty balanced. Um, so I'll give you that as my offensive X factor. If I was talking to a Houston fan, I would say, uh, friend, th this is what you need to look out for because you didn't see these guys and, and, and they are dangerous. Uh, they really are pitching wise. You know, I, I think really, I think Kopech is going to be that, that guy that is going to, he's going to, he's going to America, America yeah. meet Michael Kopech. I, I really do think so good. That, that's a great way of saying it. And it happens in the playoffs, doesn't it? Yep. We, we, we find out about guys. They make a name for themselves. I just think with his stuff, you want to talk about adrenaline. 
he has been on a journey and he has been waiting to get into these moments. Uh, we missed him last postseason. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings uh, from the pitching standpoint. Excited to watch Luis Robert hit some balls into the gaps in Minute Maid Park. I'm excited to see Eloy maybe pepper that big wall out there. But Eloy, either run out of the box or make a smart decision. It can be a single. That's okay, but don't get caught halfway and don't do a weird slide. Man, we need you. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing a disclaimer out there. Um, Pat, hop in. Um, I'd love to hear your X factor and also maybe uh, weigh in on you know Eloy Robert or the pitching or whatever you want. Uh, can I have several X factors? Is that possible? We'll, we'll go. I, we'll go okay. around. It's not just one. All right. This, this All right. Well, meat, baby, this is the meat, and then we're out of here. I'll, I'll tell you what my my first one is, and I'll just kind of go off the board here. Is is Craig Kimbrell, and and the reason why I say that is because this is a guy that we brought over for a reason to shut down the eighth inning. Where there's been a lot of discussion about is he comfortable in the eighth inning? Should he be pitching the ninth? There was talk about should he switch and 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 be the closer and i think when we had ozzy jr on wasn't it ozzy nick i think that's mm-hmm. that said yeah. that liam uh should go to him and, and offer up the the closer role to make him comfortable mm-hmm. i think that's all i couldn't disagree with ozzy more i mean come on buck up you were here brought in for a reason shut down the eighth inning you have weapons in the bullpen because I, like i mentioned before postseason games are managed so much differently bullpens become so important and when you talk about the importance of an eighth inning now and shutting that inning down and a guy that's been there done that and it's got as good as stuff as he has that to me is is the x factor he's been up and down since he came over from the cubs he showed early on why we made a trade for him but when when he's throwing a curveball that's in the strike zone it's unhittable it's the ones that he just lets go and guys aren't even offering at. That's where he's in trouble. So, you know, give me the good uh, Craig Kimbrell in the eighth inning, and and that's my X factor, number one. That's a great call because I think what we've seen from the left side, Aaron Bummer, 0.82 ERA in September. I think, you know, Crochet's kind of gotten straightened out. He's on a pretty good run right now. And from the right side, sure, you could bring in Ruiz, I don't know, maybe sixth inning. I don't even know how I feel about that. Tapera is kind of MIA right now. So when we're looking at this Houston lineup, yeah, they got big boppers like Tucker and Alvarez. And look, Brantley's been hurt, but he's a professional hitter. Those right-handed batters, the Altuves, the Correas, and especially Bregman, Gurriel, those are the guys that I think are going to be the ones that could hurt us. And this is where Craig Kimbrell comes into play. I, I love that call a whole lot. Um, Nick, or actually, you know what? I'm going to throw in another X factor real quick. Um, I just want to see what we do in right field. Um, everything's pretty much all sorted out, right? And and Pat, you did a great job alluding to it a little bit earlier. Who is going to be that man in right field? And conversely, who is going to be DHing for us? Angles on the way back. We haven't seen Goodwin for about a week or so. He's kind of fallen off the map. Andrew Vaughn, I'd love to see him out there. But look, you know, the, the, the back injury, he's coming back. I don't think he's necessarily as locked in as he was six, seven weeks ago. So that's going to be a big X factor for me. And maybe I'll just throw it to you, Nick. Who do you think should be probably playing the predominant amount of innings in right field during these games? You know, I, I'm shock, shocked that I'm going to say this, but I think Lurie Garcia. I think you oh, play baby. Lurie. I mean, you, you throw Lurie the legend in right field. Uh, you, the, you, the, you, most, like, the most lamest 260, right? Like I, he's always oh, 260, but every year we're just like Lurie, Lurie. But I, I think I think there's going to be matchups though because I I I love what I'm seeing from Gavin Sheets. I mean, he is the lefty power bat that we thought we were going to get with Zach Collins. Uh, he is, man, he's got an effortless swing. 
And he's a guy that is, is hot right now. He he's got, he's got his stroke. So why not have him involved? And he could play left field. He could play right field. He could play first base. He can DH. Uh, so I think I, I don't have a lot of confidence in whatever you're going to get from Goodwin. If he comes back, honestly, I just, I just don't I'd love to see Ingle. I, but I'm a little concerned. Like what if we have him on the roster and you know he gets hurt. He gets hurt game one or something. I, he has been uh, so inconsistent with the legs. Uh, that's the hope. Like that's what we wanted. Is an angle, uh, maybe angle Lurie a right field. But um, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. But like, why not? Why not Garcia at this point? Especially probably game one, right? And I'm with you. The sheets development over the last week, I think, is really intriguing because you know mark it down on your calendar in a tight game. They bring in Kendall Graveman. They bring in their guy, Presley. Those are right-handed guys. You're going to be seeing sheets, hopefully, probably in those moments. And let's see if he can stay locked in and stay connected. Uh, Nick, throw us out another X factor. Oh, man. Um, gosh. I, you know, I, I here's, a, here's an X factor. It's Ronaldo Lopez. I mean, that that guy, is what he has done this year and, and lately um, the game he threw on Tuesday, which was, again, he, he's the guy, Joey, that was the game-winning pitcher when the Sox clinched the division just a couple weeks ago. Go figure that Ronaldo Lopez would be on the mound. Well, he's back on the mound when the Sox come home to greet the fans, their first game at home uh, since winning the division. And, you know, he threw bullets. I mean, the guy has found out the the placement of the velocity. Mixing he looks like a man. Up. Like, he's grown into his body, right? Like, the jawline's <laughs> different. Like, it's not the baby face. I, no, but you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. just kind of see a guy, and you're like, oh, man, this looks like a man who's turning into the adult professional baseball player. Maybe they thought he was going to be. So so he, he could be a guy that could bridge. I mean, you could have him come in and, and pitch three, four innings. Or you might be able to have him as in a spot start, depending on what LaRusse and crew wants wants to do. I feel like when you have that, that is something that, you know, other teams like they, they, they salve it. They just like, they drool over. They're like, you have all of these weapons. Like that's something that you can just throw out there and you've got more of these. And, and I, for me, it's Lopez. Pat throw out one more X factor for this Astros white Sox series. Well, Tim Anderson is always the X factor for me because, you know, we've said it probably uh, enough times to make ourselves throw up, but he's the straw, straw that stirs a drink. He's the man that makes his team go, whether he's really productive in games or not, when he's in the lineup, I mean, this team just seems to thrive. He, the numbers uh, are crazy. He, he brings the energy every game. And now that he's got, I, I, we weren't concerned really about his bat because his bat has been there and, it, you know, the timing came back pretty pretty quickly when he came off the, you know, his time off his IL on out, out for a little bit. It was his play in the field. Cause he just wasn't in rhythm. He had a couple mistakes out there at short. I think he's cleaned that up now. And, you know, it'd be interesting. I think I was listening to the radio today. I think it was maybe Chuck Garfine. Uh, I heard talking about it and just watched him maybe go from, from first to third on, on one or really had to push it with his legs. And he said, he looked really good. So feeling good about where his body's at and, and if he's healthy the way he can be, uh, he's just the X factor because as he's in the lineup, it really doesn't matter if he's doing much at the plate. It just seems they're, they're a different team with him in the lineup. Yeah. And on top of that, I'll just throw out another obvious X factor that I don't think takes a lot of debate. Jose Abreu. Uh, I mean, this is the, 
this is the, the father, the, the captain. And Nick, you, you brought up earlier this season, you know what I mean? He really is like the father figure in that locker room. And yeah. for him just to have a huge series and the guy finds RBIs better than anybody else, I mean, that is obviously Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. It's a great start to possibly taking down these Astros. My final X factor, it's boring. It's hard to talk about because it's hard to sometimes quantify. But you know what? Defense. It's the defense, man. Every single October, ask Tony Graffinino what he thinks about defense in October, right? I mean, honestly, these are those moments when they need to play their tightest baseball. And if you look it up, I think they they committed the fourth most errors in baseball. We've kind of known this is a bit of a bugaboo for this White Sox team at times, throwing the baseball around, getting into these weird, these weird, almost not disastrous innings, but these really tough innings with the glove. And this is when every out counts. And this is actually one of those moments when you should be trying to steal hits away, you know, from Astros hitters that are so talented and so potent. I, I just, again, if we're not, if we kick the ball around a little bit, especially early, maybe in game one, man, that's a bad way to start a playoff series. And on top of that, I really think that can kind of help out a young team that I think is really excited. I think they're locked in and ready to go this year. I think last year, maybe we can make the argument that they're just happy to get there. I think this year is a totally different story, but still some of these guys want to get their feet under them a little bit. Catching the baseball, I think will go a really long way. Gentlemen, I got to get you out of here on this, on this date, on this date, September 30th on a Thursday, this is probably airing on a Friday was yes, that's right. The 2008 blackout game, the Minnesota twins versus the Chicago white Sox got together for a one, nothing duel that will go down in history. I was there in attendance. I got crazy sick after that for like two weeks, uh, but I didn't care. It was absolutely freezing that night. It's funny. It's one of those games where it wasn't action-packed or it wasn't filled with highlights, but I can guarantee you, gentlemen, you guys both remember stuff from that game more than many, many other games because there's only so many moments. So, Pat, go first, my friend. You know, when you think about that game, you know, what comes to mind? Well, it's Tommy's home run and yes. the majesty of it. And you don't really see home runs hit that far. Uh, all the time, especially you mentioned on a cold night. I mean, he just blasted it. So you uh, one nothing game being that exciting. I mean, I, I told Nick on our show, I think last week, I watched that game in a, in a cat like readiness and a lot of it because it's game 163 and the magnitude of it. And, but it was again about who it was against because it was against the friggin' twins. Right. And nothing felt better than beating them and, and to, for the division and our ballpark. And, and there was really three moments. It was it was that. It was uh, Brian Anderson's catch to end the game. And it was the play at the plate. Ken Griffey Jr., of all people, you know, is on our team. <laughs> and Joey's got the, the, the <laughs> yeah. jersey on. And, and, he, and he throws A.J. Brzezinski. You look at the guys on that team. You have a Jim Tomey, a, a Ken Griffey Jr., yeah. a main die, a Paul Canerico, all on the same team. I mean – just just amazing to uh to relive that and i don't mean to steal all the moments for myself but uh <laughs> I, I those are the games you just i get lost on youtube just watching the highlights and and remembering uh that we gave a five-year contract to john danks and you know what the dude was pumping 95 <laughs> that night and was and was bringing it and he was worth every dollar in that one game hey, i'll never forget that jim tomey home run and you guys have been to plenty of games so you know you know when that ball comes off the bat and it just has that trajectory and you know you know it's happening right and you just hear it and everyone gets to their feet i felt like that ball would never come down it almost i felt like it oscillated up in the air like a blimp for a second and then finally decided to land whatever it was what was it 400 something 50 something feet away 
deep, deep into the night, everyone freezing at the blackout game. Um, Nick, you know, when you look back on that game, you know, what do you think about? And to be honest, it really is kind of a marker because here we are. We are back in the playoffs hoping to make some more amazing memories. Yeah, I, sure. Of course, the Tomy, you'll always remember the Tomy uh, first. But I, I actually, you know, I, I when you think of 162, I mean, it, it's nicknamed the blackout game because of what the White Sox PR staff and the marketing did to which I think is such a that was such a cool concept when I heard that was going on. And then you saw it on TV. And, you know, you could speak to this, Joey, I believe they even gave out, you know, all the black rally towels. Yeah. And it was like bats in the night. And how ominous and menacing was that? Uh, that that's where your advantage is. That's where your home field advantage is. And to Pat, what Pat said, yeah, it's the hated twins. And of course, in a 163 game, it's a one nothing game. Um, but I, I look at, I'll always remember John Danks for that game. You know, he had a lot of other moments in his Sox career, but that's what I'll always say. John Danks blackout game. You'll always have a special place in you know, white Sox history for it. And the more times I've seen the replay, it is the Ken Griffey jr. Throw, because if you look at the collision, the ball almost seems to start trickling out of AJ's glove and he kind of gives it you know, uh, like a second kind bounce. of yeah, yeah, and and then to show it to what it was Kadai or whoever, you know, which is so AJ, so <laughs> AJ to just like show him the ball, like here it is, my friend, you're out. Um, that you know that that was that team, right? Those, those personalities, and uh, I I love I love all the replays and all the videos that people have been sharing and posting, and uh, it's so cool to just to relive that. It never gets old. Yeah, when we went through that phase of, you know, Manny Ramirez, Kevin Euclid, you know, these these uh, these outside known names that would come and play in a White Sox uniform. I remember Euclid had kind of a decent run at the time, but just the fact that Ken Griffey Jr. can go down in White Sox lore just for that play, just being that highlight reel and make him, I don't know, he just, he didn't do much, right? He didn't do much in his time with the Chicago White Sox, but he feels almost like a part of our part of our history and I'm just so proud of that especially as he was one of my favorite players growing up I was diehard Chicago sports at all times but there were a few guys that were just undeniable and Ken Griffey Jr. was that guy Pat good call on the Brian Anderson sliding catch um I kind of forget about that one sometimes but that one's definitely a crucial one and and finally just it was the last gasp of so many of those World Series heroes that we we loved. I mean, that team had Jenks, Uribe, AJ, Canerco, Dye, as we've already mentioned, Brian Anderson, never forget. And um, you yeah. know, it was uh, it was a great moment and it and it's funny that today's the day, and it's funny that today's the day that we're all talking about White Sox playoff baseball because starting next week, hopefully we start something something all brand new. I mean, I I do love the Luis Robert home run uh against the A's last mm. year. I guess maybe that's the only thing we have to really maybe hang our hat on but again it, it starts anew the White Sox are back in the playoffs and they are a serious contender this year and that's why I had to bring on good guys talk back hosts Nick Murawski and Pat Hester gentlemen we'll each go one at a time but uh Nick go first throw out your socials throw out ways for people to check out obviously an Apple podcast good guys talk back because look you guys are gonna be doing a lot of great content coming up it's gonna be a wild ride people need to check it out and tune in yeah, you can uh, you can find uh, Good Guys Talk Back uh, anywhere you find podcasts. Subscribe, pass it along. Um, we are on Twitter at Good Guys TV. We've got a Facebook fan page, and uh, 
Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter as well at Nick underscore GGTB. Pat, hop in, throw out your socials for all the good people out there, and just talk about, I don't know, isn't there some sweet GGTB merch right now that people might need to gear up on to get ready for this nice little run here? Mm -hmm. Something to bundle up their bodies with? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I don't know if we have a a sweatshirt yet, Nick. We have to work on the sweatshirt. You can wear two shirts. (laughs) So if you do that, use the promo code, you get 20% off. I think our promo code is still GGTB. Get uh, get on the website, the, the Shy City Sports website, Website, find that uh, there, get that shirt for you. Get ready for the blackout game. It is black t-shirt. You can find me at Pat Hester 21 on Twitter. That's about all you need to know. Follow Nick on all. He does all the great content. Like I said, I'm just here for uh, for my beauty, my good looks. And your once pipes, in a while, I, I, I well, you know, sometimes I have a joke to tell. No, nor McDonald's. You would, but you bring a lot of '80s WWF references to help well, me out with a lot of you, '90s man. wrestling references needed. too. So yeah, need very neat. I, I, I am your owner. I am a heel. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gentlemen, these are the these are the hosts. Of good guys talk back. You guys are doing such amazing work. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm a follower. I'm always rooting for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next couple of weeks, and uh, you definitely know that I will be tuning in. Thanks for coming on, guys. Joey, thank you so much, buddy. Good luck and continue all the great stuff you're doing. Uh, Go Sox. Yeah, Joey. Thanks for having us. Thanks, you guys. Uh, Today's episode of Bet on Chicago is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Also, play action pools. If you can't be in the office this year, you can still win money off of your office coworkers. Go to their survivor office pools right now and check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Gear up. Get ready for some October baseball. It is right around the corner. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.